Welcome to the Texas Values Report. This is Jonathan Sines, president of Texas Values. Great to be with you on another glorious week in the state of Texas. Wow, it's going to be interesting to see what things look like in Texas this weekend as a lot of businesses are now opening up, uh, many of them only at the 25% capacity rate, but you know, maybe life sort of getting back to normal or feeling a little bit uh, getting back to normal. As a matter of fact, I'm sitting right outside Bill Miller Barbecue, watching people come in and out, watching a beautiful American flag flowing in the wind here. And so, you know, one, one of the popular businesses here in Austin and Central Texas, you know, they do have a pretty strong drive-through business and, um, and following, but they do have an inside area and so there are people here parked in the parking lot so we're going to see how that goes this weekend so hopefully you're able to get out and about if you feel comfortable to uh take in your favorite uh food and drink wherever you like to go bill miller's a great barbecue place great place for uh, breakfast tacos that's where i like to go for breakfast tacos and and sometimes after church uh, but the drive-through has been handy it's not far from where i live but we're going to talk about this issue a little bit as it relates to faith family and freedom if you're new to the Texas Values Report, this is a weekly radio show, and we also do it live here as you're seeing us, if you're watching live on Facebook. And hey, while you're watching us, if you're watching on Facebook or if you're watching it on YouTube, give us a like, give us a subscribe. You can share right now, and you want to ask some questions, make some comments while we're doing this broadcast. Please feel free to do that. You know, we've been running this radio program now for over five years, so it's exciting to do that through our friends at the Christian radio station, The Bridge. And so, but we've been doing a video component of it too for probably about a year or so, uh, even before we all got pushed to, to do things from home and broadcast a little bit differently. But one of the reasons we do it is because, you know, we work in the issues of faith, family, and freedom, but also in the venues of the courts, the legislature, and the media. And while our work is focused on what happens in Texas, there's no question that Texas is impacted by what happens in other parts of the country. And Texas certainly has an impact on what happens on the rest of the world. And so the guest that we have today is going to really give us a good insight on what's happening on these issues of faith, family, and freedom across the country. As many of us really respond to what's happening with the coronavirus, respond to government rules, regulations, a lot of those being lightened up and being uh, pulled back, so to speak, and opened up. And, you know, it's going to be really interesting this first weekend, maybe for a lot of churches that are going to reopen. That's a big issue that we've worked on. And there's no question that our friends at Family Research Council are one of our strongest national partners. And they are very focused on these issues, particularly as it relates to the freedom of churches and really getting good information out to people to give them guidelines and insights on how to navigate these changing rules over the past three to four weeks. So David Clausen is going to be our guest today. He is the director of Christian Ethics and Biblical Worldview at Family Research Council. We're glad to have him on and meet with him. He's going to be a part of our video if you're watching it live and or if you're watching on the radio or listening on radio later on. We want you to share this with friends. David, welcome to the Texas Values Report. Hey, it's great to be here with you, Jonathan. That talk of uh, barbecue and breakfast tacos, that definitely made me hungry. But thanks for having me. Doesn't it? Hey, if you haven't been down to Texas or if you haven't, if it's been a while, we're going to have to get you down here. You know, we, um, whether it's Rudy's Barbecue or Bill Miller Barbecue, when we have events, we use a lot of their products, so to speak, and they're a real hit. And so, but I know you live up in the D.C. area. I went to a place up there, too, a long time ago that tried to do barbecue. They did a pretty good job. You know, I'm not all that picky, particularly when I'm out of the state of Texas getting some barbecue. Uh, but I think from that lens that you're at, you know, at the national level, the D.C. level, a lot of activity as it relates to the coronavirus, a lot of activity as it relates to the freedom of churches, 
religious nonprofits and others. And I know your team there at Family Research Council, y'all been working hard to help people navigate that issue. Tell us a little bit about your role at Family Research Council, and then let's have our discussion about some of the issues related to religious freedom. Absolutely. So uh, Jonathan, I serve as the Director of Christian Ethics and Biblical Worldview at Family Research Council. And what that really looks like is I'm looking at the major issues that we cover in faith, freedom, family. So uh, religious liberty, uh, the life issue, issues related to human sexuality, and uh, just seeking to provide a theological perspective, uh, helping Christians to, to think about these things through a biblical worldview. Uh, recently, a poll came out that said only 7% of Americans have what you could call a biblical worldview. Uh, so one of the things we're trying to do is just come alongside churches and uh, other organizations and help Christians uh, think through uh, these really important issues uh, from the perspective of Scripture. So I'm, I'm privileged to do that here in D.C. in our nation's capital. Well, it's great to have you a part of the program. You know, Tony Perkins and General Boykin and all the great people there, Family Research Council, have been great friends of ours. Uh, I know we've had them speak at numerous events that we've had and also been a part of this program. And there's no question that really having that outreach, having that insight, and having that connection to the faith communities, the Christian churches, and leaders across our country is extremely important, and particularly during these last three to four weeks. You know, um, you know we work on these issues on a day-to-day -day basis. I'm sure your team does as well. And so, you know, you usually kind of have an idea of what your schedule is going to look like, you know, certain months or, you know, kind of a, a yearly schedule, you know, certain events are going to come up. But we also know that working in this field, things come up that are unexpected, and you got to be ready to respond. I tell you what, we have probably, this is one of the few times, or one of the times where we've had some of the highest level of interaction between church leaders and other religious nonprofits, you know, really with the question of, what can I do? You know, what am I allowed to do? What's the current, you know, ruling? Was there a court case? What's going on? You know, what's the law saying on these issues? And so, uh, you know, we also feel honored we've been able to help a lot of churches and nonprofits navigate that. Uh, but, you know, this is only us doing it for one state. Y'all are doing it at the national level. Talk to us about what the latest is and some guidance that y'all are providing for churches, particularly as a lot of them look at opening up this weekend for the first time in several weeks. Oh, absolutely, Jonathan. I, we appreciate what you're doing in Texas. We know that Texas really has led the way. We've been really appreciative of the governor and the Attorney General, uh, going back as late as um, March 31st, when Governor Abbott put out his executive order uh, designating churches essential services, and that's really been a model for the rest of the country. Uh, but you're absolutely right. These last couple of weeks, uh, we've had to uh, adapt in ways that we've never had to do before, and we know that churches have had to do that as well. And although it's been difficult, I talk to pastors on a daily basis who just talk about uh, the fact that they wish they could be meeting uh, with their congregations. And there's, you know, there's a hole in our hearts. All of us wish we could these last six, seven weeks be with our congregations. And it's right that we feel that way. You know, Scripture is very clear in Hebrews 10 that we shouldn't neglect uh, to meet together. Uh, but in extreme circumstances like we find ourselves in, it hasn't been safe. And what's really been interesting is seeing how churches have responded. I I've been blown away, Jonathan, with how uh, churches have just been so creative in the ways they've adapted to meet uh, the needs of their members and their broader communities. 
a couple of things that we've seen uh, just looking at churches all across the country is the way churches have used technology. Uh, churches that maybe were live streaming some of their services but not really putting a lot of effort into it have really been able to uh, use that technology to uh, stream their services to thousands of people that previously wouldn't have even seen the live stream. I talked to a pastor the other day that said dozens of people have come to faith in Christ uh, by watching their live stream. Another thing that we've seen is churches holding drive-in services. Uh, they, they can come to these services, stay in their cars, abide by CDC guidelines, and yet still be able to have some sort of fellowship. So it's been cool to see churches uh, be very creative in how uh, they administer to their members, but also the way they administer to their broader communities. And I'll just give you two examples from Texas uh, that we've highlighted. I've talked to these pastors. Uh, one church in uh, Temple, Texas, uh, one of their members actually just said, we should just start a prayer ministry. So they set up a tent in their church parking lot and just put a sign out by the road that said, if anybody needs prayer, they were welcome to come in. And they said dozens of people each day have pulled into the church parking lot and been, they've been able to pray for them and minister to them. Uh, another uh, example was in Houston, uh, a church plant. So this is a church that had only had public services for three or four weeks uh, when the coronavirus forced them to stop meeting publicly. And the pastor of that small church plant realized that in Houston, uh, there was a shortage of ways for homeless people to wash their hands. So he went down to a store, bought some base, sink basins, some hoses, and set up all these uh, stations throughout Houston for homeless people to be able to wash their hands. So it's just been so encouraging to see people with a great commission mindset uh, serving their communities during these times. And I hope that this kind of creative thinking is something we don't lose as we begin to come out of this time. Oh, well, look, you know, it's interesting, too, when, when you see people do that, when you see them really respond, because, some, I mean, this thing that started three, four, five weeks ago really wasn't all that expected or, you know, people weren't really sure how it was going to impact certain things. And so it wasn't like churches and ministries had a lot of opportunity or time to kind of plan. And that's the way life is sometimes, right? I mean, these things happen and you just try to adjust. And so I think it's been encouraging to hear a lot of great examples of that. And, and you know, and, and there was some legitimate concern about the government restricting churches. And I, I don't think there's anything wrong for, with people pointing to that and saying, look, you know, let's make sure this is temporary. Um, and I think the church overall has been fairly understanding and, and really um, selfless in a lot of ways. Uh, and some churches don't have that technology. Some of them are just doing the best they can. Uh, but now that we see things opening up, you know, maybe some, you know, ways to do things differently or, or adjust or new people that have come across the church that maybe they wouldn't have before. And so we hope some of that lasts. And, and we hope, too, that we see less of these examples of government leaders that, you know, really are just, I, I mean, I just think they're focusing on the wrong things. If you're giving $500 tickets with cars that are six to eight feet apart of each other, apart from each other in a parking lot, it just seems like your focus is in the wrong place. But in such a small amount of time, we've seen these things happening. And so hopefully you can have some of these government leaders that will realize that um, those things are temporary and the churches have been understanding and you can also trust them to be responsible. Uh, I mean, look, I think it, it's fair to say they don't, they don't want people getting this virus or they don't want to be a part of spreading anymore either, but it's finding a way to balance that, you know, putting safety measures in place. We've got some great guidance from our attorney general, Ken Paxson and our governor, Greg Abbott, that have been out for about a week and a half. That, um, you can go to our website, txvalues.org, to see those guidelines. And I think Family Research Council has some that they've been uh, sharing as well. 
That's right, Jonathan. And I will, I want to just underscore the point that you just made. You're absolutely right. By and large, the vast majority of churches have worked well with their local governments. And the vast majority of state and local governments uh, have been good. Uh, and churches have been understanding, realizing that there is, in a, in a pandemic like this, there is a compelling interest. And uh, some of these actions that have been in place are kind of the least restrictive means. However, there have been some bad actors. Uh, uh, I know in Kentucky, Mississippi, in, in Washington, there's been some overzealous mayors who have gone out of their way to penalize churches that are hosting drive-in theaters. And that, that's why I really appreciate uh, your Attorney General, but as well as Attorney General Barr, who earlier this week uh, put out some guidance. And, and he said uh, that, you know, the Constitution is not suspended in times of crisis. And I, I appreciated uh, him saying that. But you're right, you're, you're right. At FRC earlier um, last week, we put out some guidelines uh, that you can see on our website at frc.org slash church. And that website is all of our coronavirus-related resources. Uh, but we've just put out some common sense guidelines that as churches are able to begin reopening, uh, they, they can think about just ways to do this um, that are safe, um, but th they can start opening their doors. And uh, happy to go through a couple of those criteria if you'd like, uh, but people can see the full document on our website at frc.org slash church. Well, and I encourage people to do that. One of the things, too, I think people need to be aware of at the state level here in Texas, one guidance is a little bit more particular to our state, and it's caused some confusion, or there's, it's been a question that's been asked. You know, this week on Monday, our governor did a press conference reopening retail businesses, restaurants, and so on, but with a 25 capacity limitation, if you will. And a lot of people were asking, well, does that apply to the churches? You know, that question's been asked probably more than just about any as it relates to churches. The answer is no. And the reason is because churches were allowed to open before that, um, this announcement on Monday. And so, and they were all always considered essential services. And so the ones that were open Monday, you know, they're termed a little bit different or a different category, whether, you know, whether people agree with it or not. I'm just saying how the, the governor's office treated it. So, but that doesn't mean that, um, that it might not be prudent to look at that as a capacity number. Churches are going to have to just look and see what type of space they have and how many people are going to be there and decide what works for them. And some of them may need a little more time to catch up on these things, to you know, find some sanitizer, set up some places where people can wash their hands more or have a better system in place about how they let people in and out to make sure that you've got that social distancing. And so, um, so I think um, you know, having as much guidance as possible is important and so but that freedom's there if they want to open up this week and they want to have these guidelines in place it makes sense but you don't have to have it at 25 percent capacity at least the the um you're not required to by law now some other states may be treating it differently and that may not come into play and we may see that change uh very soon and just a good reason to stay connected with us but um i'd like to hear what you're hearing david from churches that you know that are thinking about opening up and um, you know, I, I would imagine many of them, you know, they've got some understandable concern because they want to limit the spread and they want people to be safe. But I would imagine some of them also, you know, are encouraged that now, now they get to make that decision. It's not the government telling them what to do. Now that freedom's back in their hands. Yeah, no, you're absolutely right, Jonathan. And the pastors that I'm talking to on a daily basis, you know, they're itching to get back. Uh, you know, th these are pastors who love shepherding their flocks. They love what they do, and they want to be back. And, and they also, though, want to honor the governing authorities. 
uh, which as Christians is what we want to do. Uh, Romans 13 uh, is very clear that God is the one who institutes uh, the governing authorities. Uh, Paul tells us elsewhere that we should be praying for those who are in authority. And so, uh, you know, the pastors I talk to, you know, they want to get back together as soon as possible, and yet they want to honor uh, those who are in positions of authority. And so that, that's why at FRC we put together this guidance. Again, that there are just a lot of practical things uh, that we're encouraging churches that when they're able, um, and, it, you know, across the country, President Trump's plan actually calls for three phases. And in all three of those phases, churches are allowed to open their doors. Now, at each uh, phase, uh, the, the White House uh, recommends that you limit the capacity, that you practice social distancing, and as you're able to go up to uh, from phase one to two, two to three, uh, you can open up the capacity a little bit more. Uh, but throughout these phases, what we're just encouraging pastors to do is just practice best practices as far as sanitation. And some of these are simple. That, that means uh, just requiring people to use hand sanitizer when they enter in uh, to your building. Uh, some churches are thinking about taking the temperature of people when they walk in their church building to make sure no one has just a high fever. Uh, we're also, especially in the early phases of the president's plan, recommending that high traffic areas remain closed, which would include uh, nurseries and youth group rooms, uh, but that if a church does decide to open them, that they uh, follow the CDC guidelines on nurseries and uh, youth groups, which actually we link to that on our, on our page. The CDC has specific guidelines for even that. And we're also just, as far as uh, kind of best practices, uh, you know, a lot of churches pass around an offering plate. And we're saying rather than do that, uh, just put something in the back of your sanctuary, like a, a central collection place where people can put their tithes and offerings. If, you're, if your church passes around uh, the, the sacraments for the Lord's Supper, uh, rather than pass that around, have individual people come and, and receive the elements. And then even as far as seating, um, depending on how your church is configured, whether you have individual seats or you use pews, uh, we're, we're encouraging churches to, again, continue practicing social distance, have family uh, units sit together, uh, rope off every other pew or put two seats in between uh, family units. Um, so these are just things. And, and, you know, as we ratchet up the different phases, we'll be able to phase some of these out. But just in these first few weeks, where there's going to be some trepidation. I know a lot of people are nervous. Um, and so especially in these first couple of weeks, churches should consider uh, continuing their live streams. Uh, maybe they could continue uh, drive-in theater or drive-in services. Or uh, one thing that we're seeing some churches uh, say that they're going to do is have services where they're just, for those who are immunocompromised, elderly, uh, those who have underlying medical conditions, they'll have a service where they'll uh, tell, where it'll just be for those people to come. And so again, like we saw during this, uh, this whole pandemic, churches being creative and how they've uh, adapted, we're seeing churches uh, already thinking creatively on how they're going to reopen in, in a safe way, uh, but where people can begin, can begin coming back to church. You know, look, and it's interesting how creative people can be. And, and look, it, it's, it's a benefit of the technology that we have these days that we're blessed with. But also, I think, you know, it's a reminder of how essential, and I'm going to use that word essential. It was a great day when Governor Abbott made it clear that church services are essential. And, and so, for, you know, for so many of us, it, it is bread. I mean, it is water. It, it's real to us. And it's also something that's been a part of our lives. And so and it's great to see church leaders realize, 
you know what? It, w- let's find a way then. Let's find a way to reach our people. And, and also, for those of us that are not in a leadership at church, let's find a way to have the technology at home or to find a way to meet those needs. I know that's, you know, we were having church in, in my home. And so um, it's great to see that we still have the ability to do that. Uh, but I think now the freedom, you know, that in-person connection can be extremely valuable. Uh, but it's great that we're able to adjust. And, and many of us may continue to adjust. Maybe people want to stay safe. And, um, and, and we're blessed that there are ways to do that and ways to turn to each other in our own homes. David, it's been great to have you on the uh, show today. We're going to be wrapping up here in a few minutes. I've got some concluding comments, but we're going to let you get about your day as I make those that are um, some other things that we're working on. But it's been great to have this discussion with you. Great to hear about your work at Family Research Council. Glad you're a part of the team up there. And please tell Tony and Kana and General Boykin and all the team up there that we continue to pray for them and, and how important our friendship is with that great organization y'all have. Well, thank you so much, Jonathan, for having me. Thank you for your prayers. And we absolutely here in D.C. are grateful for the frontline uh, work uh, that Texas Values does every week. So continue the work, stay safe, and God bless. Excellent. You heard their resource, frc.org forward slash church. A lot of news this week, too, about what's happening in Texas. You know, today, if you're watching this live, it's a first day for people to have retail businesses open Uh, that's restaurants, that's uh, retail stores and so on. But, you know, and look, maybe the first weekend that a lot of churches are saying, okay, we're ready or or we're we're closer to getting ready. I'm hearing maybe a couple of weeks from some other churches, hey, we get that. You know, it's up to you to decide. And that's the main thing for churches to know. Now the government's not going to punish you. You get to decide when you're ready. You get to decide when, when that freedom works for you. And there are a lot of guidelines to navigate. And we're trying to be sensitive to that. So FRC's got some great resources. We've got a few more that are Texas-specific at txvalues.org. That 25% capacity is not in play for churches, but it might be something responsible for churches to consider that works for them. Um, and it really, But we encourage people to be aware uh, and, and see the value and um, to check out the guidelines. If you want to make sure that you're following things as closely as recommended, in the guidelines for the state, the best way is to follow the guidelines from the attorney general's office that we have on our website, txvalues.org. But a lot of discussion about um, the reopening of Texas more so this week. Uh, look, the economy is, is struggling in some different ways. The oil and gas business is struggling in a lot of different ways in the state of Texas. And that's you know been related to people not moving out and about as much, right? I mean, look at what gas prices are. Think about how often you're filling up. And, and it's not just people that own oil businesses. There are people that service the oil business that in different ways that it impacts the economy in so many different ways, so many different industries that use fuel in different ways that are impacted by some of these things and um, people that are involved in shipping and, and, and so on. So, you know, think about, you know, if you think about how many things those things can impact, that can be a lot of different families, a lot of different jobs. And so I, I think now that people are starting to be able to get out and about a little bit more, you'll see some of those things recover. And hopefully a lot of people were able to hang on, you know, for those three or four uh, weeks uh, before things got much worse. And, you know, look, we're understandable to that. One of the victories that happened during this time period, though, was that abortions were halted for at least two weeks, if not a few days more. We estimate that 2,000 lives were saved during that time. We filed a brief with the Fifth Circuit, U.S. Federal Fifth Circuit Court of Appeals to support what Governor was doing. Um, Governor Abbott and Attorney General Paxson on this issue and great to have a governor that knows the value of life. Otherwise, with the pressure, some might have altered that and said, oh, well, you know, maybe we'll 
We won't, um, you know, we'll give an exception for abortions, not Governor Abbott, not Attorney General Paxton. And they fought to great lengths. We've got our brief on our website, txvalues.org. Also, if you want to read the court's opinion, the court saying that abortion services um, is not essential health care and that they're not an exception. Look, if you can't go to church um, and, and that was allowed, it'd certainly be constitutional to say that for a, a time period that abortions would be halted as well. I mean, you know, um, the abortion issues were not in the, the First Amendment or any of the amendments of the Constitution, even though they've been interpreted that way um, in the past 50 years or so. But the First Amendment of the Constitution was written that way about religious freedom from the beginning. So, but that's another reason why we need your support financially because of the fights that we have to get involved in to stop the abortion groups, to stop the hostility to religious freedom and people, uh, some local government officials that still want churches to be closed, churches wondering what their rights are. We've gotten so many phone calls, had a great um, tell town hall with the Lieutenant Governor this week and have had several other fantastic guests. The legislative session's not going to be far away. Our policy forum is going to be coming up um, likely in September. We're already planning for that to really help you out on the issues of faith, family, and freedom. That's why we need your financial support. Go to txvalues.org. Make a tax-deductible donation today. We are a 501c3 nonprofit organization. We're the largest group in the state of Texas that works on the issues of faith, family, and freedom as it relates to the courts, the legislature, and the media. We're going to have some big updates next week. As we roll into May, we look at phase two of what the, the governor's office is going to do as it relates to the coronavirus issues. But we also look at how what's going to be happening at the State Board of Education. What's going to be happening in Austin ISD? Are they still going to teach sex ed now that they're teaching remotely and that they're not going back to the school at all? I mean, shouldn't we just focus on course subjects? I know there's a lot for parents to adjust to. And so we're still active on those issues at the state and local level. And that's why we need your support to continue to do that work at the highest level. So go to txvalues.org. We believe it's the best investment, the best donation you can make for faith, family, and freedom in the state of Texas. And we'll talk to you next week on the Texas Values Report.